Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Uh, today we're going to be discussing um, postnatal depletion and then I believe we'll dive into the realm of like colic and a little bit down that road. But did you want to quickly just introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me, Lynn. My name is Christiane Penaster and I specialize in helping moms conquer postnatal depletion while fixing the baby's colic so that they can ditch the fatigue and become the mother, the woman, and the lover they want to be. And that includes moms who are either in the thick of postpartum, moms who are still tired even one, three, or five years after birth, and also moms who are pregnant and just want to avoid the, cor the current pitfalls of um, postnatal depletion and baby colic. Yeah, so this is like a subject that's actually super dear to my heart. Uh, your client avatar or your ideal client was me, uh, my third baby in. So I thought that I totally had everything covered, that I knew everything that there could be about pregnancy, being a mom, you know, having, um, you know, normal pregnancies and what we could classify as normal babies and then having a colicky baby and feeling just completely destroyed after having a third baby. So how did you get into this line of work? Let's start there. Yeah, also because of my own story. Um, I was already a nutritionist since um, 2013 and founded Heart for Holistic because I wanted to help others. But once I became a mom, I really hit a new wall of difficulty and I've really tried to prepare myself, also had like normal pregnancy, good childbirth, um, prepared myself, I think, till childbirth, also got all the baby paraphernalia, but I just didn't know how to prepare myself uh, to support myself in postpartum. And also nobody really has mentioned about this before. Like I didn't think there was like so much to it. I thought I'd be back up on my feet after a few days again, but I was really surprised how much it hit me and how dependent I'd be on my husband's help. And also that he would crash at a certain point that I couldn't lean on him alone. And it was just really the mixture of uh, extreme sleep deprivation, a colky baby, not having enough support and then nutrient depletion. And that's just like a, a terrible cocktail that so many moms are going through. And, it's crazy. Um, it's actually crazy how many people go through this and we think that it's just normal that we should be feeling this way and then well we get we're going to dive into this obviously but the guilt and shame that comes around with the feelings of well feeling out of control like you don't know what you're doing that you're doing something wrong and that you're just being told like you can handle it it's okay like you're just struggling with this so exactly, you, yeah. it's it's a like I said it's a subject that I'm very passionate about because I had kids young and a lot of my friends are having babies now and I'm seeing them go through the same things that I went through, but yet there is, I don't want to say a lack of support, but maybe a lack of conversation around these topics mm -hmm. and what is totally. normal and what is not normal and what to expect and how to maybe mitigate some of these things that can be happening after we've had a baby. Um, so do you want to just explain what postnatal depletion is because this is something maybe the listeners haven't heard before but postnatal depression and all of those things are kind of talked about quite a bit now let's say um, so what is postnatal depletion 
Yeah, a good question, because often people only know the term postpartum depression, and um, it's actually a syndrome that's touching all spheres of a mother's life from physical, mental, emotional relationships, work, home, sleep, hormones, digestion, libido, and so on. So it's a little bit hard to pinpoint sometimes because you can't just like take one blood test and oh, you got post depletion or not. However, it's estimated by experts that at least 50% of moms have postnatal depletion. So that's like one out of two mothers, basically. And that can be on a severe end of the spectrum or on a um, light end of the spectrum. Right. And you're right, it is like people see it as normal, but it's not really normal. It's just very common. But I don't think there's anything normal about this. And like how it comes to this is basically like... Let's start with, I mean, women are already depleted often when they enter pregnancy with this high paced lifestyle and already maxed out. Then they grow this human being for nine men months from their own resources. Then they go through childbirth, which is really a major transcendental and taxing experience for a woman. Then when they should actually recover from all of this, they take care of this, this baby for 24-7, basically, because and most moms don't have enough support. Then if you breastfeed, you also still uh, give your resources to keep on growing that baby human just out of outside of your body. And there's just never the chance to catch up so that, that depletion just compounds with the lack of nutrients, the lack of sleep, the lack of support. And it's really something that it's very physical, like when the baby basically literally siphoning things off your your brain and other parts of your body. Um, and it's also a very uh, interesting fact to share that um, the mother's brain actually shrinks five to to eight percent during pregnancy. So therefore, the terms baby brain and and mom brain, it's it's a physical thing. It's a physical and real thing like baby brain. Well, and that feeling of depletion is really there. Um, what I always kind of come back to is thinking about how we currently live our lives prior to getting pregnant. Like you said, like women are constantly in this state of depletion, whether that's sleep, whether that's, you know, our stresses are really, really high. And then we're growing a human and people, I feel like it sounds so simplistic, but I don't know if a lot of people realize how many resources it takes from the mother to actually grow this other human. And you said one, three, and five years afterwards. Um, I know that I heard a study or I listened to a study that was explaining, you know, that it takes up to three to four years for a mother to be fully, let's say, repleted or renourished if they're getting the right nutrients and the right nutrition after pregnancy to actually fully recover from that pregnancy. And then we see moms, you know, having a baby, maybe having a baby who, you know, had colic or had sleep difficulties. And then they go and have another baby two years later in an even more depleted state than the original one. So, what do you think kind of causes this like state of depletion, if not for the way that we're living in society? Um, what are some of the other things that could be depleted, in your opinion? 
Yeah, and, and it it doesn't just uh, stop with nutrition. Like often people think, oh, we'll just pop some prenatals and maybe some other supplements and we'll be okay. It's it's not just on a nutrient level. And by the way, prenatals are just not enough. Like they're basically just covering so that the baby doesn't get a severe disease like rickets or spina bifida. Yeah. <laughs> but we shouldn't just stop there with like what we should aim for, I, I believe. And also what about the mom and the thing is just that nature really always prefers the baby, which, you know, a mom really would want that, but still it comes at the cost of the mother. And in my opinion, it doesn't have to be either or, or like both care off. And only if the mother thrives, the baby will thrive as well. So I think the problem is that women just, and especially mothers tend to put themselves last and put needs of the others first. Don't dare to ask for help, maybe feel ashamed to help to ask for help that was like a big big deal for me I was just like why can't I take care of myself anymore like why can't I make food for myself and to actually ask for support so so I think this this female pattern already exists before we become mothers and then when we're mothers we are just in this absolute selfless state totally altruistic um only take care of the baby I remember how like at about three weeks after birth like um my husband was looking at me and like I had like really brown teeth and I didn't know that it was from the iron supplement I thought it was mm -hmm. just from the depletion and like my my face was all fallen in and I, like I took a picture actually that then I depleted <laughs> I, I deleted later but I just remember how I just said oh it doesn't matter like as long as the baby's healthy like I'd got everything I could ask for and I just had no um no desire to actually take care of myself and it like almost went in like a not a good <laughs> direction of course so Anyways, I'm, I'm going on and on, but no, but that's the question. I mean, yeah. that's absolutely it. And then the fact that it affects so many other aspects of our life, like you're trying to maintain a marriage, right? With this mm -hmm. new little being added into it, you're feeling depleted. And then that adds into the stress and maybe the dynamic shifting within the family too, because the, the the husband has to take on a different role the mom might feel guilty that you're you know putting if you're catching the fact that you're fatigued and exhausted and need just a day to yourself and the husband is maybe picking up some of the slack with the baby you then feel mm -hmm. guilty that you're not spending time with your husband or the baby and so it kind of gets into this whole shame and guilt side of of you know not feeling well and maybe still not taking care of yourself I don't know if you found that that was the same for you, but it took a really long time for yeah. me to feel like I could find balance between spending time with the family, spending time with my husband, and then also, you know, taking care of myself. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was a big thing for us as well. And it took me a long time to realize that if I don't take care of myself, my baby's not going to be thriving and my husband also won't be thriving. Like at first I always thought, and so many women think that, that if we take a little bit of time or ask for support or spend some money on our self-care, on our health, that that would take away from the baby somehow and from the family. Mm -hmm. But the baby will always feel when the mother's not well and including the husband as well. So that, that really took me, like I really actually had to literally break down on the floor crying. And I always um, talk about this low point um, where it really clicked for me and I had my baby in my arm and my husband came rushing what's wrong with the baby and 
I really started losing it at him and said, well, the baby is okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. I need help. And I had to actually say it out loud to get it myself. Oh, yeah. And if, if I'm not stable on my feet anymore, like, I got, I'm afraid for my baby. And I really actually needed that to to click in and to, okay, I have to take care of my baby. So I have to take care of myself. Um, and so many women, they they only come to that point once once it's about the baby but really the mother has to take care of herself um, mm -hmm. for the sake of the whole family yeah how long do you think that it took you to kind of get to that breaking point um for me it was like pretty quick actually like after three weeks after birth because we had this uh, extreme sleep deprivation since like or I <laughs> since a couple of days before birth and then the the constant um colic and my brain not working and just like not being myself anymore um not being able to function and like at about three weeks so I'm glad it actually happened pretty quickly and then I was able to realize and really turn the wheel around for us and mm -hmm. and it took a while to get my health back but at least I, I I could realize something there and also the midwife when she came to visit me at that point and just the the look on her face I could just tell that there was something different about me she was a little bit shocked to see me and uttered the words postpartum depression mm -hmm. and I, I could just see okay I really would have gone down that road if I wouldn't have had that realization then do you think that the difference between the care of a midwife and being in the care of maybe an allopathic doctor an OBGYN makes a difference in people catching the state because there's a more holistic approach with midwifery and understanding you know what a natural let's say a natural reaction or a natural state of wellness after birth versus like this depletion do you do you think that there might be a difference in like where you catch uh postnatal de like depletion let's say yeah, definitely more holistic, I would say. That's why it chose that route. And we had an awesome midwife for both births. Um, but still, like, they, they have a quick visit, right? They, hmm. They're they not really trained in that either. And also, I was surprised that she actually didn't really tell me about that. And I think later she mentioned something like, well, we spoke about this, and maybe I just couldn't hear it. But mm -hmm. I felt like nobody really prepared me for this. And then the second birth around, the second time around, things were different because I knew and I could prepare myself differently. It made like all the difference. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, I definitely recommend working with a midwife if people feel pulled and feel that's the right solution. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like for me, it took me a lot longer, a lot longer to catch on to what was actually happening and to admit that it was actually happening because it was my mm -hmm. third baby, you know, like yeah. for me, I hadn't been through it. And just like you, nobody had really prepared me for how to deal with these things. So my, my son had colic as well. I definitely want to hear your side and like what happened with you, but like my son had colic as well. And I, try to be heroic for a really long time. And that's the word I'm going to use because I feel like that's what moms do is they try mm -hmm. to be the hero. And it sounds really like lofty, but I don't think I really started having a breakdown until my son was like two kind of like, we definitely had issues with sleep. Like I don't think my son slept for the first year um, of his life. Um, what was your experience with colic and and then I'll kind of bounce back and forth between our two experiences yeah I'd love to hear your, your story Lynn um 
our experience was that she just like screamed for hours every night till like four or five o'clock in the morning while we did like everything like of course all the obvious things and bouncing rocking walking even driving around in the middle of the night and yes. and we ate like wholesome and healthy but mm. I just didn't think it would make such such a difference um and um yeah now I know that just the baby's brand new digestive system is so super sensitive even to so-called healthy foods but if the baby's just not ready and it doesn't even have to mean their food sensitivities right away like it can definitely develop into that but it's just a baby's system is not ready at that time for many foods and they just come through the breast milk just the same way and it's just something I I didn't know and only after we like took care of really the root cause it made all the difference and she slept and her her temper was totally different but it took a while to to get to that especially because it can be so individual from baby to baby and being able to read the symptoms 100 percent. yeah uh, um I feel like because when I had my third son I was just going through nutrition school and so I was hearing all of this information and really digging into it obviously colic it's very well um, known that colic exists, right? Like the the doctor that I went to see was like, yeah, this is normal, colic's normal. Here's a few things you can shift, you know, like not drinking dairy, not eating dairy products, you know, shifting out spicy foods and playing around with those few things. Um, but when I brought the topic of, you know, proteins coming through breast milk, when I would talk to, let's say like a lactation consultant or a midwife, they'd be like, heck yes, this absolutely happens. And then when I would go to the doctor for some more like support, because I was totally lost as to what to do for my poor child who wasn't sleeping, uh, wasn't eating well, would throw up all the time and just got kind of crickets on that end. And so it was a lot of experimentation on our end to try and figure out what it was. And we went down the <clears throat> naturopathic route and found out that everything that I had food sensitivities to, my son was actually allergic to. But it took, you know, mm -hmm. 15 months for us to get a diagnosis oh, wow. of allergies. Yeah. And then once... Um, you know, once we had that under control, he started sleeping. I think it was like the first night we cut out like the, the major allergies that we knew he had. It was the first time he slept through the entire night. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So what's your thoughts on colic and things that, you know, can be causing disruption with digestion, disruption with sleep for the baby um, that often leads to progressing I would say the postnatal depletion of the mom as well mm -hmm. yeah first of all just to come to the word colic like I'm using that because that's what the doctors are using but it's really often a term it's always a term being used when the doctors basically don't know what it is mm -hmm. and the definition is simply a baby screaming for more than three hours a day three days a week three weeks a month that doesn't say why and how and it's like that's the definition of of colic um and then that's that gives the doctors basically the free pass to either okay tell people to wait it out or or just pre prescribe some reflux meds which are often also not really taking care of the problem mm -hmm. but you really have to like look at okay what's the baby communicating what's going on a baby isn't just crying there's some messages from the body 
And like it could be certain foods the mother's eating or a certain formula the baby is being fed that the baby can't tolerate. There can also be other underlying things. It's not always just food. Like there can be underlying um, overgrowth of bacteria in the baby. There can be even parasites. So those are things we just have to look at and we can't just be like, okay, you just cut out these four different foods and your baby's going to be fine. Like it's most cases, it's not as simple as that either. And I found there are actually at least 15 foods that are often the common culprits. But it can be very different in the first month where the baby can tolerate very little from six months of age, from one year of age. Um, then also sometimes like what adds to that is just um, like also teaching the baby some sleep skills. And that's something, you know, many, many moms are scared to do. And I was at first too, but that made like such a big difference too. And especially with the colic, you just feel like you have to be there for the baby, like all the time, because the baby has, has this problem, has this colic. And then that often gets um, missed to take care of teaching the sleep skills as well. Right. I know that, do you want to just touch on some of the 15 foods that you find to be really common? Cause I know that like dairy and gluten and, and like, let's say uh, cruciferous vegetables like cabbage and broccoli are pretty commonly out there. Are there other foods that you found that are commonly difficult for the baby to digest? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are definitely way more foods and I don't want to go too much into detail and I'm also look careful kind of giving general recommendations for everybody but like common foods uh, other than that um, would be even things like like spicy foods that's just too intense for a baby's brand new digestive system um, tomatoes are quite common a problem especially tomato sauce um, legumes very difficult to digest and those are things that people in like a typical traditional postpartum diet left out naturally it's just nowadays we think oh these are all healthy foods so to say um, but that can cause the baby like big time trouble and then also looking at what kind of foods are in the formula like, like i encourage parents to just have a look at the label of the formula and just see okay is this something you would really give these ingredients would you give that a one month old if you were on the shelf and like pick those ingredients in the superstore like it's like I find we lost a lot of the common sense uh, and just go by, oh, this is labeled as baby food and even formula with um, that thickened with rice, which is labeled to help colic. But uh, rice is actually uh, very difficult to digest even the whole first year of a baby's life uh, because babies don't have the enzymes yet to digest grains so well. So just to mention a few things. Right. And those are recommended as some of the first foods for babies, right? Like rice cereal, the rice exactly. porridge, the, the mixtures of grains with meat and then tomato sauce, which, you know, I found, I, I made a lot of my own baby food, obviously with a child who had allergies, I really had no option, but I don't think that people realize even that enzymatic factor and the microbiome that the baby is slowly building over time. And some of the other factors that can go along with that is like, what was the health of the mom's digestive system and, you know, immune system and microbiome before she got pregnant, that that passes on to the baby. And if she's compromised, which is what I think happened to yeah. me, actually, um, you know, what is that going to do for the baby, right? Um, you know, other things that we found helpful um, were probiotics, rebalancing the gut, 
um, you know, giving more nourishing foods. I'm not sure what you recommend as first foods for baby or for mom postpartum, but you know, a lot of nourishing foods people don't maybe think about. Um, what are some of your recommendations for those? Yeah, like in general, it would be really um, foods that are easy to digest, warming foods, foods that are um, nutrient dense and foods that are high in fats. And that's that. That's what you want to give a mom in postpartum and a mom that's um, recovering from birth and breastfeeding. Yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize how hungry they're going to be in that like six week postpartum mm -hmm. um, <laughs> postpartum period is like what what really um, what the support needs to look like around that, you know, six weeks pre pre baby and then six weeks postpartum as well. Um, I don't know what your your suggestions are around that. But for me, it's always like you should be stockpiling healthy food and getting ready for that transition so that you're fully prepared. Um, so like, I always recommend, you know, moms get like meal trains or something together with recipes that are, you know, more nourishing, obviously. Um, but what other support things can parents do? We've already kind of explained like what our experience was with, maybe lack of help and lack of support from people that we would look up to, let's say like our midwife or our doctor for the support around colic and um, depletion. But what are some other support pieces that parents can ask for? Hmm. Yeah, good question. And like food, funnily, was one of the things I just didn't think about. <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's something I can handle. I can make my own healthy foods. I totally miss that. So I definitely recommend moms um, either like getting a meal train or, or both um, like double cooking, making double batches and freezing part of that. And um, part of that is really, I found is to be able to even reach out and ask for that. Like I actually had to ask a friend, would you mind organizing a meal train? Because they didn't know I wasn't doing well and I actually had to admit uh, I need help. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then the food came. And then the other thing that was difficult for me was to ask for specific foods once I realized, um, okay, it really mattered for the baby and for me. And I didn't want to be not grateful or picky, but then I just gave certain items just to my husband to eat because I knew I couldn't eat them. And then baby would be uh, awake all night and we'd be awake all night. So it wouldn't be worth it, but to actually give specific um, ingredients and just tell people the foods you you want rather than the foods you don't want and people are usually happy like they're relieved when you tell them how they can help and what's the right thing like they want to know yeah um, other things like what I found helpful was actually to to hire a doula even just for a few days a few weeks and I didn't even know there were doulas out there they come to your house they help with cooking they have the baby strapped around you and at the same time they, they, whatever they wash your dishes and they coach you while they wash your dishes <laughs> even through relationship stuff so that was really nice as a hands-on support but then the other piece I found like people always say well we don't need um, a mother doesn't need more self-care we need community that's not always an option like like we didn't have family support here and I didn't want to ask so much from my friends because they all had their own lives and it can only help so much, but to really empower the mother um, 
to help herself and be able to ask for what she needs and to know like how to take care of, of baby's colic, how to take care um, with the sleep skills, how to take care of herself so she gets all gets her body back, gets her brain back, gets her energy back. So I found aside from somebody washing your dishes, um, like that's that's what I found was really the missing piece. Somebody to tell you what to do, how to do it, and be there with you. Somebody that understands you and coaches you, and that's what I'm doing now. What I'm doing um, because yeah community care is amazing but it's just not always an option and it's also not enough because in the end only only you can really help yourself that that's what I found with my moms and I 100% agree with the self-care piece and I think hiring somebody you know was a godsend let's just be real here I know that I've had conversations with people around you know the anxiety around hiring a person and them coming into the house mm -hmm. um also maybe a partner not understanding why a woman who's supposed to be you know on mat leave taking care of the baby and fully capable why she just can't handle it what do you have yeah. to say about that aspect of, to it because I felt that way I see women use that excuse oh my husband doesn't want to spend the money um what do you what do you say about that because I have thoughts but <laughs> yeah that's a big big piece and I yeah. coach many moms through that relationship piece and I needed that too like I had somebody that had to tell me like okay like give us a little bit of relationship coaching and a little bit okay this is what's going on with her this is what's going on with him and you guys aren't against each other like this is what's happening and it's called postnatal depletion and also husbands can have postpartum depression by the way yeah um so just to understand even what's going on and to understand that it's worth spending some money for health and self-care and support because you pay either way, right? Either you pay it now or you pay later. Like I have a friend who paid like 10,000 just to get her health back. And she was a healthy, uh, conscious person, so to say, but she ended up in a mental hospital in postpartum just after one baby. And the story is just so common so like people don't realize that it's going to cost them money either way or even like you know many people end up with a divorce they have moms they say well i'm just so afraid i'm not getting better my husband's going to divorce me because i can't get up in the morning i can't get out of bed bed i can't take care of of the house anymore everything is a mess i can't handle it um so it's really really worth to spend that money at the right time because you know it's kind of making an investment into your health and into your family and you get like so much return from it 100% I definitely asked for help far too late so I was a single mom with my first two kids and then when I got married we had my last son and like I said I thought I knew everything my first two pregnancies went really fine like well I was young I definitely did not eat well because I was not a nutritionist I wasn't thinking about those things you know mm -hmm. at the time um and I also i this is a big one too that I feel like people bring into their experience with this is like trauma response from previous things that stop you from actually asking for help. So being in survival yeah. mode, being in this, um, like I like I said before, like trying to be the hero, like I've done this before. Why am I feeling at this now? You mm -hmm. know, like so this doesn't just happen, obviously, with first babies, it can happen, you know, multiple babies in as well. And um, 
like you said, I'm still paying for it. My son is eight years old and I am still recovering. I have, which I am certain I worked myself into the ground, continued to burn out, continued these poor habits of not taking care of myself, not, you know, um, asking for help when I really needed it. And it wasn't actually until we moved here four years ago that I could finally feel like I had built a community around me that would let me take that, you know, small break to actually get better. And I'm still digging myself out of the hole, um, you know, yeah. diagnosed with an autoimmune condition now, which I'm certain was a, you know, there was many possible causes, but the contribution of lack of sleep for a whole year, you know, like, I don't think people realize how stressful that is on the body and yeah. what that long-term damage can look like the nervous system going out of whack, you know, with a baby crying all night, totally. um, yeah. you know, lack of proper digestion because every other cycle that's natural to our body is out of whack, <laughs> you know? And so I, I do think that it's something we need to be talking more and more about because the long-term potential and struggle that you could go through if you don't build that community around you or self-care unit, uh, however you want to name it, I guess, what that can actually look like uh, and what the long-term damage is if you don't invest in finding things um, to balance, you know, a newborn um, yeah. into your schedule. And that's a very common mistake that people are being told, oh, it's just normal. Fatigue as a mom is normal or baby colic is normal. It's just going to go away. Just wait it out. But they don't realize that you just don't grow out of these things. It rather grows into different kinds of symptoms, different kinds of problems, bigger problems. Mm -hmm. um, like it's very common. Actually, one of the symptoms or signs of postnatal depletion is a health condition that shows up during pregnancy or in postpartum. Mm -hmm. Digestive issues, autoimmune, very, very common, Lynn. Super, um, super common. So it's not just, oh, the fatigue's going to get better and then I'm through it, just wait it out. No, if you don't take care of that depletion, like, the body will just have to give you louder messages that you have to take care of yourself. And the same with the baby colic, like how you start out in life, how your digestive health starts out, that can like determine the rest of that child's health for life. Like you, at least you have a certain um, predisposition for the rest of your life and gut health is just known to be um, like super, super important for autoimmune and like basically every, every other condition. Every condition. And, you know, when you look at the rates of autoimmune conditions and how, you know, it's 94% women, you start to put the pieces together and that's the thing is like it's taken me eight years to kind of put all of these pieces together as to how did I end up here um and because I was just fresh out of nutrition school I've learned so much since then obviously as to what I can do and what helped and food and nutrition played a crucial role obviously um, what are your thoughts on supplementation? Because I know that some people are for it and some people are not. In this case, what do you think about supplementation? Yeah, definitely helpful with postnatal depletion. I wouldn't rely on it alone. So we really got to look at nutrition and diet, but I definitely uh, suggest some supplementation. And again, that can be very individual on what's missing. Like I have some 
um, the kind of self-tests where you can put in symptoms and then that um, can pinpoint you which nutrients are missing. So you can take blood tests, but you don't necessarily have to. So you can find out just by your body's symptoms. And um, yeah, with supplementation, it's just important to consider the um, if the mom is still breastfeeding because it definitely does affect the baby. So often the mom is limited um, with supplementation while she's breastfeeding. Yeah. What are some of the, I know you don't really want to give blanket recommendations, but some of the more nourishing foods that you would recommend postpartum that would have a good vitamin and mineral profile? Because I know what I would suggest, but I'm curious as to what you would mm -hmm. ask. Yeah, definitely. So um, as a general thing, I would say um, to eat how you would feed your baby, like the first baby foods, because you are basically feeding a baby and your body is also in a very fragile state. So really um, warm cooked foods, um, definitely bone broth, um, root vegetables, quality meats um, yeah. to kind of give yeah. a, a general recommendation yeah yeah and so, like lots of fats I think people think yeah. like they shy Definitely. away from the fats but if you're breastfeeding like it's what like 98 percent saturated fat or something crazy um I can't remember the exact percentage but it's a lot um yeah. so healthy fats especially for your brain health at that point mm -hmm. in time too to rebuild that back I found obviously going to like more of a nourishing traditions we know this book probably very well kind of approach you know liver I know it's not everybody's favorite but I think liver can be a really good food supplement let's call it um yeah I I used to be a big big fan of liver I was like totally <laughs> recommending liver and organ meats to everybody but now actually not so much anymore just because of the toxins that also also collect in liver and then all the other organs. So what I learned now that it's almost not worth it getting the toxins that you can get the nutrients also otherwise. So depends on how comfortable the mom feels with that. But yeah, hundred years ago, that would have been the perfect, perfect postpartum food. And again, yeah, everybody has to do what they feel comfortable with, but I'm a little bit more careful recommending liver these days. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we get down to the source of food, like that's, for me, like knowing your farmer, knowing where your meat is coming from, knowing, yeah. you know, what the, the toxin load is, if you can get a pasture raised, you know, calf, for example, versus calf liver, yeah. for example, versus, you know, obviously not a calfo, like a confined feedlot cow mm -hmm. liver, but yes, definitely, you know, if you can get a good source for it, um, they're supplement they're supplemented now too like you can get a supplement with liver and organ meats from pasture raised animals that have hopefully less toxins because they're raised well but um yeah it's it's a tricky thing because of the way that our food system is heading um that's a big big subject um to get into but I definitely think, well, even muscle meats, you have to be careful where you're sourcing those from as well. Totally. Yeah. So what are some of the biggest mistakes um, that you see parents making that are in this situation? Um, first of all, like not doing anything and just toughening it out and just pushing through. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I would say that's the <laughs> biggest mistakes in terms of postnatal depletion and also also baby colic um and then also not trusting your own 
common sense and actually looking okay why why is my baby going through this like what what could be the problem and experimenting a little bit for yourself or seeking maybe advice outside just of the um, standard medical system because doctors are just not trained in that topic um, so when the doctor what the doctor then recommends is usually um, reflux meds which yeah might immediately give a quick relief because you're shutting down the stomach's healthy acidity in the baby but it basically shuts down digestion and people can imagine that that's actually not a good idea on a long-term basis um, so it, it usually comes with um, other problems like especially food sensitivities uh, digestive problems like it can carry that um, for life really and um, yeah the other thing is what, what they put moms on is usually anxiety meds which again can maybe you know help immediately if you just it's just too much for you to handle and just need support like right now but on a long-term basis again it's not taking care of the problem and you're just suppressing what's actually going on in that mom you're just numbing all those feelings all those traumas so um I find that's a really important aspect of taking care of a mom with postnatal depletion to really look into um the nervous system all the stresses the trauma that maybe energetic blocks to healing and all of that so yeah I think one of the major mistakes is just to to just look at things at the surface and just label it as this is normal and not really looking at okay, what's actually going on and how can we help a mother and baby in this situation. Absolutely. And what do you think are some of the most crucial services that like a parent could reach out to? Like, where do you think the most, I'm going to say it like this, the most bang for your buck uh, kind of services that a parent could ask for? Is it asking for a nanny who's kind of more like a mother's helper? Is it asking for somebody for sleep uh, therapy? Is it somebody who's like more like a doula or something like that? Like, what do you think is the number one overarching person that a mom could reach out to, um, to get help? Yeah, I think there are two parts to it. Like one is just the practical help. If that's an auntie or a neighbor or a friend or a doula something just helps you practically um through that overwhelming situation and then number two is just somebody that knows um whatever health practitioner or coach you choose um that can help you just tell you okay what are the things I need to do what are the steps to get me out of this to get my energy back to get my baby healthy again and um when I asked um many moms um they always said like the community and even just online community would be just so amazing and many people are part of that and and I'm offering that as well just to be part of a support system of just somebody you can talk to somebody that knows what you're going through that agrees okay we're not crazy this is not just in our head and this is this is just some things that are working for us and then I just say like pick pick a mentor like if if that's I mean, a midwife doesn't really give that support. It could be a doula. Um, it could be what what I'm doing online. Just just somebody you resonate with um, that can guide you through this this tough period in the life in your life. Yeah, I hear a lot though. You know, like the mom's ready to take this step, but the dad doesn't quite fully understand it. Like, what's your advice? Like, I I know we kind of covered this, but I do think that it you know, for me, it was hard to at first get my husband to understand what was happening. 
you know, because he was out of the house a lot, he couldn't really fully grasp the, obviously the, all the symptoms that come with this, not just fatigue, but you know, the body pain, the crazy amount of sleep that I was needing, um, just not being able to like get out of bed. Um, you know, like what, what's your advice? Uh, cause my, mine was just to go out and hire somebody and just have done with it and deal with like the consequences of the financial aspects and all of those things later, because I couldn't keep going. Yeah. Um, I think a good idea is to find out what is it that the husband would like, like, cause they're, they're affected too, right? It affects them. Um, they're tired too. And they're exhausted and their nervous system's affected and and they want their wife back and they want their bees at home back and they want their 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 lover back and and like the motivation for a dad can be a little bit different so it's just kind of good to have somebody that can coach a couple through and say okay well this by the way this is what's going on with your wife actually and this is serious and so and so on and this is you know like just make make them aware of of their own situation and what would be helpful to get them out. And then this isn't just something to help the woman, the mother, but to help the whole family and what the consequences are of not taking care of this. So like we, we needed somebody that, that could talk to us kind of from the outside. And that's what I do now with couples a lot, because the mom tries to explain and convince the husband often that doesn't work so well. Yeah. depending on how how open the husband is how much he can understand mm -hmm. I feel like eventually they come around and they can they can see it but it all depends on you know schedule and whether or not the husband is around or whether or not it's serious you said that and and I think I want to kind of hit that home is like this is a serious thing in my opinion it falls under like a medical thing like this is actually something yep. medically your wife is depleted and in all sense yeah, of the matter and that it's serious and that this can become even more serious if mm -hmm. you don't you know if my husband was sitting right here he'd be like we're still in this like we're still in it eight years later and it's yeah something yeah. that I think cannot be stressed enough that it's something you're going to be dealing with if you don't nip it right in the bud at the beginning yeah totally and and I find it's just so helpful that phrase okay you're paying either way like we think we're saving money um but it's it's leading moms down the wrong path I find just all this when they google post nail depletion all that comes up is oh just take take some supplements and by the way I'm selling those supplements I'd yes. be very careful with those kind of google advice um and it, it's really leading women down the wrong path, thinking, oh, that's all I have to do. And this way they think they're saving money and then not taking care of the problem. And they're just paying so much more in terms of money, lost time, destroyed relationships, strained relationships and all of that. Yeah. I try not to take like a doomsday approach to it, but I am seeing more and more moms who are pregnant. So I after I got my nutrition certification and I went through all of this, I thought about becoming a midwife or move here kind of changed that path because my education and all of those things coming from Canada, 
it kind of shifted me and I started looking at night nursing and doula work and all of those things. And it was the perfect way for me to combine a, my experience, my nutrition certification, and then also, um, you know, guiding parents who, you know, are our friends now kind of down the right path and hoping that I can get through to them. And it's, it's a difficult, it's a challenge to get people to understand the, the depth and importance of what they're, they're dealing with. And I often say, you know, like, this is something that is going to take you four to five years of, you know, managing, this is part of it. And I feel like, with the way that our food system is, our food's depleted nutritionally, the way that we work in society, a nine to five position, and we keep that up right until the end of our pregnancy. And then when we come out of it, we're not taking time for ourselves. One of the first questions I always ask my friends are, do you have time for yourself right now? Like, have you mm -hmm. taken that break to um, replete, right? Because everything that we're living in right now pulls out of us, takes from us, what are you doing to feed yourself back with energy, with food, mm -hmm. with wellness, with self-care? And it's really hard for most people to, even if they don't have children or babies, to even answer that question. So I think we've lost that connection to our bodies yeah. and to the sing signals that our bodies are giving us at the very, you know, beginning of this or at all. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are around that, but yeah, totally. Oh yeah. That, that just disconnection. Um, and that's why again, just very careful giving general nutrition recommendations to everybody. Cause, cause it's, it's not that easy. And that's why we do this integrative holistic approach because it's tailored to that individual. Um, and, and part of that is really reconnecting with our body and learning to understand these symptoms again, first of all, listening to it, being willing to listen um, being able to interpret, interpret our baby's symptoms, um, that a skin rash isn't just our skin, you slap some Vaseline on, but okay, maybe it has to do with something inside the baby. And another big part of that I find is that we haven't talked much about is, um, just taking care of the nervous system. Like nutrition is, is just one level, but really helping a mom with that inflamed nervous system and um, so many moms are just struggling with they're just reacting to their toddlers all the time to their husbands all the time baby crying all the time and they just can't cope anymore and to be able actually to again not just cover up what's going on in the mom but to look at okay what's going on and how how can we listen to that mom how can we hold her and empower her in this and how can she help herself in a situation like that? And these are all important skills I think we need to teach. And that's a crucial part of what I'm doing with, with my moms. And as you said, a big part of this just to listen to, okay, anxiety is a message. Okay, where is that in the body? Like, what's going on? Is that maybe that's something from years ago, actually, of why we're reacting it has nothing to do with the situation at hand. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's something we, we get to take care of. Yeah. And I was, I was reading through like that previous podcast script that you gave me in the movement piece where you were like, movement doesn't have to be going to kill yourself at the gym, you know? And like, for me, that was really difficult because my husband's a personal trainer and started off in like the CrossFit world. He now yeah. coaches CrossFitters, but 
I wanted to be that really fit mom who didn't sleep for a year and then went to the gym a whole bunch. Like just the idea of what I needed in that space and that what society was telling me I should be doing versus what I actually needed to be doing to be healthy were two very, very different things. And I had a hard time explaining to people too, you know, like, why, why don't you do those things anymore? And, you know, even had, I felt like there was a lot of gaslighting around my situation because of the, the world that I was living in at the time, you know, didn't allow me to properly take care of myself because if I wasn't living the one or like miracle woman or busy mom life that I was not doing well. Uh, but in reality, I was really struggling to keep up with that whole idea of what I thought it should look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's so important to, yeah, listen to our bodies and second, listen to somebody who's actually qualified to give advice in this. Because, you know, you go to the doctor after six weeks, they usually give you, the, okay, you're good to go um, with exercise and intercourse and while well, the body's just healing for like mm -hmm. at least the next year and and longer. And, and it can actually make things worse to just go hardcore while everything's still soft and healing. And so many women have diastasis recti, right? Like with the abdominal wall is separating, um, leaking incontinence so we've really got to um, recommend specific exercise tailored to that person that that helps actually strengthening these tissues but start like really gentle for for most people otherwise it can actually cause more more damage and also it can really um, which you must know for adrenal fatigue especially um, very damaging to to exercise hardcore and that just fatigues you even more yeah it was, it was to the point, you know, like where my personal trainer was like, you've got this, like, come on, just give it all you got. And I'm like, I literally can't today. Like if, if you make me do one exercise, one deadlift, I'm just going to break down crying. Like I just, I physically could not do anything. And yeah. it got to the point where my body was physically so fatigued. It was stopping me from doing all of these really unhealthy things. And it's hard to admit that you're in that stage and that you're mm. really going against everything and to say oh you know I've been feeling this already for three years before this you know that well and then where do you start right because I don't think enough parents are honest about the struggle that they go through in every aspect of their life to actually get out of this it's like it's, it's really difficult. It's really hard. And it's really hard for people to understand if they have never gone through it, what this actually looks like and what it feels like. So when I saw the work that you were doing, I was really happy to see somebody, you know, grabbed, <laughs> grabbed the, um, well, the importance of this, obviously, and, and how much it can play a really crucial role in somebody's life, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing ahead. was, there was just not much out there when I was going through this, like I was actually looking and researching and I just, mm -hmm. like, how could I have overlooked this? And now I'm in this, how do I get out of this? Ah, okay. This is a thing. This isn't just in my head and, and to even find information on it. And it's just unbelievable actually that it's getting only slowly some attention in the medical world as well, while it's not a new issue 
at all. Um, like, well, I think it's more common now in modern society and how modern society is set up, but uh, it's not a new issue at all. And we've just talked to a grandma recently who told us that her great grand was also sent to a mental institution during um, postpartum. So it's, it's not a new thing at all, but only now slowly I feel the world word is getting out and still unfortunately a lot of wrong advice out there on Google. So be careful with just um, getting a Google, Google's prescription really. And, and most doctors don't know about it either, so um, I really feel it's it's important we we talk about this and share about this and uh, get moms the right level of support they need. Absolutely. Is there is there a particularly like or not a particularly is there a particular story that you have experienced with a client or like a little case study that you can give the listeners that maybe gives people hope. Uh, because I know it, it can all sound like for like this is very serious it's very like important that we share this information but there are ways out of it do you have like a, a case study that you like to share or oh yeah lots like um like I take about three months with the women I work with so usually after three months they're doing like that much better like most people get better after a few days in terms of getting the energy back, helping their baby with their colic. Um, but I take three months to kind of make sure um, they're going to be back up on their feet. And if it takes longer, it takes longer. That's fine. But I, like I've been part of programs that are like a year long and I feel it doesn't take that much. And I've really condensed it into like, like a full on high value support program. Cause you know, who wants to wait a year to, ticket and also we don't understand about okay all the why and all the signs but you know I, I put this really in like a practical support program for moms um so after three months most women um pretty much everybody I worked with um are kind of through that depletion or at least when they when they fall down they know how to pick themselves up again and um, it's something that can be taken care of like really, really quickly. And with baby colic, like my last client, she um, like the baby was like not necessarily screaming all night, but like grunting all night so that mm. the like in, in pain and the parents just couldn't sleep. <laughs> so the baby grunting all night. And then after three days already, after following my recommendations, um, every night was getting better. Baby just slept through, parents sleep through. So it can it can happen really quickly. But um like I do take some time to really make sure everything is, you know, nourished on all the levels. And it's just something women can um, apply really for the rest of their life, what, what they learn in terms of health, of health of their children and their own health. So it can happen fairly quickly. Amazing. Did you have anything else that you would like to add um, that we didn't cover? I'd like to mention that I have a free support group on Facebook that moms are welcome to join. It's called um, Postnatal Depletion and Baby Colic Support. And there are other moms that are in the same situation. There's lots of free resources. And of course, if they want to, they're not sure if they have postnatal depletion or not, or what's the best to do with the baby or not, um, they're welcome to talk to me. Um, I offer a 60-minute postnatal transformation session free of charge and just see what's what's going on what are the underlying problems and then if they're interested in um, 
working with me and this might be a good fit um happy to talk about that more but yeah feel free to moms out there feel free to join our tribe and um you're not alone with this and there's help and you don't need to suffer no i think that's a great point is that we don't need to suffer through this like it is it is something that you can do something about in the early stages and that really trusting your gut with like how you're feeling and what feels normal and what doesn't feel normal like yeah err on the fact that you know what your experience if it feels abnormal it probably is um mm -hmm. you know and it's better to ask for help and get some suggestions even if even if it isn't serious or not, you know, like just not being closed behind doors and keeping it to yourself and pretending everything is okay. So um, what are your social media handles um, so that people can find you? Um, I don't know if I have that in the top of my head, but is that something we can put as a link underneath? I think it's Absolutely. Facebook groups and then postnatal depletion probably. Okay. And then Instagram. And I saw you on Instagram. Do you know what your Instagram is Heart Food Holistic. And okay. my website would be easy. It's just Heart Food, Heart, like H E A R T hyphen F O D dot com. And from there, that would lead um, to the Facebook group. Perfect. And yeah. I'll definitely add that into the bottom. Um, well, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you sharing what you do. Uh, Thank you for everybody. having me. That was uh, a lot of uh, fun for me. Good. <laughs> Awesome. Mm -hmm.